Hello everyone. Today's class will be looking at factors affecting climate. So if you could please open up the Google slideshow that was sent to you entitled factors affecting climate. We'll begin with slide number two. So slide number two, Canada's climate. Why is Canada's climate special compared to that of other countries in the world? Well, to begin, we must think of the fact that Canada is in fact the second largest country in our world. And as such, we do have quite a variety in the climate that is within our borders. The climates that we have vary quite a bit from north to south, east to west, middle of the country is quite different from all of the coastal areas. And so we're gonna take a look at what causes the climate of Canada to be quite different from region to region. A second, a third slide, sorry, shows a map of the different climate regions in our country. So in the very, very west, we see that we do have a fairly unique um, climate region called the Pacific Maritime. The southern portion of that is actually a temperate rainforest. So there is only two places in the world that have temperate rainforests, and we are one of them. And this is located in British Columbia, and that's why we have such incredible forestry that does come to us from the west coast is because it's a temperate rainforest and so as such there must be a lot of rain and that of course allows for the growth of all kinds of trees. Uh, if you take a look at the map we certainly can recognize the northern part of our country does have its own climate region um, and then the interior of the country has a few different climate regions. We have a fairly small one here in southwestern Ontario and it's called the southeastern climate region and then the Atlantic Maritime also does have its own climate region. All right, so moving on to slide number four, which factors affect climate? What causes climate to be different from one area to another? Well, there are six primary factors that determine climate and cause it to be different from one location to another. And they are latitude, ocean currents, wind, air masses, elevation, relief, and nearness to water. So if you take a look at that, um, it's set up in a mnemonic as a mnemonic device to help you remember the different factors that do affect climate. So lowern, so latitude, ocean current, wind, elevation, relief, near. So lowern. All right, moving on to slide number five. So what specifically about latitude causes our climate to be different? So probably most of us know that the closer you are to the equator, the warmer it gets, and the further away from the equator you are, the colder it gets. But why is that? Why is it that areas closer to the equator are warmer? And the opposite, of course, is true then. So um, the saying that we know is that temperature decreases as latitude increases. So the further away from the equator you are, the colder it becomes. And the reasons why is because our Earth is curved. And so if you think of the sun's rays coming towards the Earth as lines, so it's linear, as it approaches Earth, when the rays come close to the center of the Earth, there's a lot more of sun's energy that is concentrated over a small area. Look at the diagram at the bottom of this slide to help you. Whereas moving towards the polar regions of our planet, that same amount of energy would be spread over a much larger area, therefore causing the northern regions and the southern regions of our planet to be much colder 
on average than areas that are near or close to the equator. All right, slide number six, ocean currents. So just like in the air, we know there are currents of air. Sometimes you can feel warm air or cold air coming at you. In the ocean, there are also currents of water that are constantly moving. If any of you saw the film uh, Finding Nemo, there is a scene in that film when Nemo jumps into the Eastern Australian current. And that's a scene with the turtles. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the movie or not, but if you are, um, then that is a uh, part of the movie that does show how currents work. Uh, they literally are faster moving areas within the ocean of water and they carry with them a very specific temperature of water. So the water surrounding the current can be colder than the current itself or the opposite uh, might be true where the water surrounding might be warmer. So the temperature of an ocean current will affect the air that is directly above that current as well as the air passes over the ocean. As the air passes over the ocean, it uh, picks up some of the heat content or it will lose some of its heat content uh, to become more similar to that of the actual ocean current. And so it is said that currents have a moderating effect on areas that are coastal. So um, areas that are on the coast will tend not to have a very high temperature that it will reach during the summer months or a very low temperature that it can reach during the winter months. And so if you look at the map on the bottom left side of slide number six, you can see that there's a general pattern of movement of the ocean currents that does exist. And so typically we do have a warm shallow water current that happens and it goes westwards across our world. Then it kind of loops north and then it cools off and it comes down as a cold current moving all the way south and then east and then north again, warms up and so on. So we do have general currents that circulate our world and they therefore do also affect climate as they change the temperature of the air directly above the current. So on the next slide, slide seven, still about ocean currents, it just gives you an example of a Canadian um, example. So the cold Labrador current cools the air along the Labrador coast, while the Gulf Stream flowing northwards warms the areas that it contacts. And so interestingly enough, there are these two currents meet over an area in Newfoundland called the Grand Banks. And as a result of that, it has it's actually the foggiest place on earth, but um, it's able to create approximately 100 days of fog every single year in the in Grand Banks um, area of Newfoundland and Labrador. And that's because it's a meeting place of two very, very different currents, one that's extremely cold and one that is very warm. As that happens, it creates a lot of fog, kind of cool. All right, on to slide number eight wind and air mass. So uh, why do we have wind? What is wind? We've all felt it before and I know there's been some really gusty uh, winds that have uh, that we've felt especially in the past couple of days. Uh, we definitely know that there's a lot of wind and it can pick up and become very very strong. So what is it? What causes that to happen? Really it's quite simple. Uh, the reason why is because two air masses if they have very different air pressures 
And the air will always move from an area of high pressure to an area of low pressure because it wants to create equilibrium or try to keep everything equal. So as the air passes from high to low pressure, it results in wind. And so in the past couple of days, as we have had some pretty significant winds, we therefore know that there must have been an air mass approaching that had a much higher temp uh, pressure, sorry, air pressure. And as it collided with this low pressure area that we had before in the air mass, the transfer of air had to happen. And as that happens, we feel a lot of wind. So basically wind is just movement of air from an area of high pressure to an area of low pressure. In Canada, we have a prevailing wind. What does that mean? Basically, it means that we typically have one direction from which most of our winds originate and towards which they go. And so in Canada, most of our winds originate in the west and they move towards the east. But we always call the wind based on where it's coming from. So it's coming from the west and so we call them the westerlies. So the westerlies travel from west to east, so from British Columbia to the maritime provinces of New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, PEI, and they cross Canada as well as the U.S. The U.S. is uh, pretty much the same landmass that we are on, and so we both experience westerlies coming from the west going towards the east. So I mentioned the word air mass when I was talking about wind and that there's a meeting of two air masses that might have different conditions, one having high pressure and one having low pressure, and that's what causes wind. So what is an air mass? Basically, a mass of air, an air mass is just a large volume of air with a consistent temperature and a consistent level of moisture throughout that entire air column. Okay, um, an air mass retains or takes on the characteristics of the area over which it was formed. So if an air mass was formed over the say Pacific Ocean, it might take on the, or sorry, will take on the characteristics of the Pacific Ocean. So it probably will be quite moist because it's coming off of an ocean where there's a lot of water. So that air mass will have a lot of moisture in it. And it will also be relatively cool because the Pacific Ocean, at least in Canada, is relatively cool. So any air coming to us from the West will be somewhat cool and also have some moisture content in it. Uh, conversely, if an air mass originates over a continent, it will take on the characteristics of wherever it might be formed. So it's, if it's formed somewhere south in the United States, say, in a desert area, then it will have very, very dry characteristic and it might also be very hot. And so if that air mass comes towards Canada, say towards Toronto, then we will probably feel temperatures go up and all of a sudden it becomes very dry as well. There are two categories of air masses. One is called maritime, which means that it originated or formed over a sea or an ocean. And then there's continental, which means that it formed over the land. On to slide number nine, wind and air mass. So air masses, again, move with the winds, taking with them the weather conditions of the area where they were formed. For example, those formed in the Arctic will be cold and those formed in the tropics will be warmed. 
The diagram on the right, you're welcome to look through. It's just a little bit of a visual to show you how air masses typically flow around our world. So the red lines that you see um, showing movement show general patterns of air mass movement that does happen. Um, and they correlate also with the ocean currents and where they happen to flow. On to slide number 10, elevation. So altitude refers to the height above sea level. So as altitude increases, so as we go up, the temperature decreases. If you've ever climbed a mountain or gone up a fairly significant hill, you may have noticed that it gets colder as you do go up. So why does that happen? Well, it's because of something called air pressure. Air pressure is simply the weight of air. And yes, air does weigh something. And so the closer you are to the ground, the more air there is on top. And so the weight of the air closer to the ground will be greater. As you move away from sea level or from ground level and you move further up, the air pressure is lower because there's less weight of air directly up above. So as air rises, the air pressure decreases, goes down. That air is then able to expand. And as it does, it cools. Okay. Um, so basically, as you go up a mountain or a hill, it does get colder because the air pressure is lower. You're able to expand that air and it does cool. What also typically happens as air goes up is that it starts to condense and condense into um, eventually clouds and then often into rain. Now why that happens is because colder air is not able to hold on to moisture as well as warmer air. So as the warm air rises, it expands, it cools, it eventually then condenses those air drops because of course in air, there is water, we do know that. And so as the air goes up, it is able to then start condensing the water and the air condenses. Moisture that condenses creates clouds and eventually that does fall down to the ground as rain. All right, on to slide number 11, elevation. As a general rule, air cools by about 0 0.6 degrees Celsius for every 100 meters that you go up. And of course, this is a rule of thumb. This isn't always the case, but generally speaking, it is around 0.6 degrees Celsius for every 100 meters that you go up. Condensation happens at heights because cooler air can't hold on to moisture as effectively as warm air. All right, on to slide number 12, relief. What is relief? Basically, it is a difference in elevation on the surface of the earth. So mountains form a natural barrier to air called relief. And this causes air masses to rise. Why? So imagine that there is an air mass that originated over the Pacific Ocean on the west coast of Canada, west of British Columbia. So we know that most of our winds do come from the west. So this air mass originates over the Pacific and it starts to travel eastwards. As it does, it hits British Columbia. As it hits British Columbia, the land, the topography of the land is that right there, there's a big set of mountains. And so as the air mass approaches, 
it hits that big set of mountains. And of course, it can't pass through. So the only option is for the air to move up. So the air mass moves up, it rises. So as we know, when air rises, it expands and it cools as a result of that. Okay, and so that is specifically related to relief, to change in elevation, that air is forced to go up, then it cools and precipitation generally follows. So as air is forced to rise, it expands and it cools. This leads to condensation into water droplets and it falls to the ground as rain. We call this relief precipitation. And this is why in British Columbia, in the very southwest corner of British Columbia, we have one of the only temperate rainforests in the entire world. It's because the wind originates from the west or the air mass. It goes eastwards as it hits the mountain. It is forced to go up and therefore um, there's expansion and cooling of the air mass resulting in water droplet formation and eventually a lot of rain. So this happens on what we call the windward side of a mountain. That means the side of the mountain that faces the wind. So the windward side of a mountain usually has a lot of rain and it's quite moist and generally speaking vegetation grows very very well. On the other side, so what happens? This air mass as you can imagine has just hit a large set of mountains. It's forced to go up and condenses and then all the rain falls down on that windward side. So as this air mass continues to move up and then eastwards over the top of the mountain and then down, by the point time it gets to the top of the mountain, it's lost most of its moisture content. And so as it descends or goes down the other side of the mountain, which we call the leeward side, it will become very dry and the temperatures will increase. We also call this the rain shadow. So on slide three, there's an image showing you how relief affects climate, that it causes the air mass to go up, it condenses, forms water vapor, rain, and the other side of the mountain is very, very dry. And it's in the rain shadow of the other side. All right, on to slide 14. Nearness to water affects climate. So large bodies of waters like oceans and very large lakes heat up and cool down very slowly compared to land masses. So water bodies also have a moderating effect on the climate of land masses near them. During the summer, the wind blowing over the water cools the land and in the winter, winds coming from water will warm the land. And so as a result, we have two distinct types of climates that are created. On slide 15, you can see the difference between a maritime and a continental climate. So maritime climate is one that is close to a sea or an ocean or a very, very, very large body of water. The temperature range, so the difference between the low and the high temperature for that area is very low. The temperature range is very, very low for maritime regions. Generally speaking, it's below 20 degrees Celsius, but we do have maritime regions that have a temperature range of 25, 26, 27, 28 degrees. 
That can certainly happen, but the other characteristics must be prevalent then for it to be considered a maritime climate. So what are the other characteristics? Well, one, precipitation levels must be very high. Again, there's a general cutoff, and that is 1,000 millimeters per year. Again, if it's very close to that 1,000 level, but the temperature range is lower than 20, then we would consider it a maritime climate as well. So generally speaking, in maritime climates, the climate is cool and warm summers. So your daytime high might only be about 25 degrees or 26 degrees Celsius. And um, in the winters, they would be fairly cool. So not very cold, but cool. So you might be hovering around five degrees, four degrees Celsius, something like that. It would probably be relatively rare for the temperature to dip down into, you know, negative 10, negative 20 or something like that. On the other hand, a continental climate is the exact opposite. So it has a very high temperature range. So generally much more than 20 degrees Celsius. Uh, precipitation levels are fairly low. So they are lower than 1,000 millimeters per year. And climate is warm, hot summers and very cold winters. We do have climates that are kind of in between and they're kind of hard to say which one it is. But generally speaking, we do group them into maritime or continental. All right, so for tomorrow's class, you can complete the Google Doc that goes along with this, completing the chart. And that is it for today's lesson. Hopefully you're able to follow along and understand everything. I suggest um, once you're done listening, go through the slideshow again and just reread, make sure you understand. You could take a look at the Word doc just to know roughly what to expect you to do for tomorrow's class. And that will be due on Friday. All right, I hope you're all doing really well. And we'll um, hopefully see you relatively soon. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.